Okay, today, thankful. How many of you guys are thankful today? How many of you know that thankful is a choice? And uh, if you're like me, how many of you find being thankful can sometimes be difficult? And, um, you know, because it, it's, it's, many times it's not right in front of us. Unless someone just drove up with a brand new car and said, hey, here are the keys. Or someone just walked up to you and said, man, I just paid off my house, and I want you to know that God impressed on me to sign it over to you. Or, you know, I want you to know that my stocks just went way up, and I just woke up this morning and thought, you know what, there would be no greater joy I would have than to give you all of my stocks. Okay? When that takes place, it's really easy to be thankful. But, um, you know, more than that, I have where my tire goes flat when I didn't want it to. I was just on a, a, a chaplaincy call this week and um, surrounded by police cars in this apartment complex. Call's kind of ending. I go to get in my van and uh, my van has this weird thing where it has this one fuse that's um, it's part of the ignition, and it goes out every four months-ish. And when it goes out, the battery is alive, and you just turn, and there's nothing. There's not a click. There's the, nothing's hitting the starter. Just nothing happens. Well, we've learned what it is, and so I just carry extra fuses. But, you know, I have to get out of it. It's pouring down rain. All these cops I've just been talking to are out there, and I'm thinking, I look like an absolute fool, lifting my hood, having to pull the little thing off, pop my fuse, go get the new one, popping in. Yeah, no big deal, happens all the time. Um, you know, that's more what happens, or you get a flat tire, you get a wobbly tire, or, you know, your gutters are full, and you forgot to clean them in the summer, and now they're overflowing, and it's freezing cold, and who wants to get up there? And, you know, a lot of times that's life. But thankfulness is a choice. Gratitude is a choice. Appreciation is a choice. And it's really a decision of what do we want to put our attention on? And um, many times we go with what's most emotional to us and what's right in front of us instead of looking into what is God doing. Now, we're not the only ones, even the disciples here they are. They have the privilege of walking with Jesus Christ in flesh. And somehow their eyes were constantly on what was happening right in front of them. Missing, number one, just the insane miracles taking place right in front of their face. Missing who they're actually walking with, you know, and, and who's mentoring them, but yet their, their attention was on the here and now. So we're not the only ones struggling with it. I say that so you just don't beat yourself up, okay? Uh, but we can do something about it. We can choose to be more thankful and to have more gratitude. And that's exactly what we all have the opportunity to do today, huh? So who's thankful for that? Come on, that's exciting stuff. Um, kind of looking at, and we've done this with some other messages, but really looking at what's the posture that we need to have? What's the perspective we need to have? and in the power that happens when we do that. Um, and so, you know, our, our, the posture is choosing to focus on what we can be thankful for. That's putting ourselves. It's that choice of, I'm going to stand up straight because my belly doesn't stick out so far. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday or the day before, we were standing in the, I'm not supposed to tell these stories, but I always do. <laughs> We were standing in the living room, and so I popped my belly out, and my youngest daughter's like, 
how in the world can you do that? That is, but she was like marveling at the ability of, and I said, oh, it's really easy. You just kind of pull your butt back, you arch your, your, your back forward, and you just let it stick out. And um, told her I was trying, yeah, never mind. Anyways, perspective. <laughs> so that's our posture. It's a choice to have posture. Posture is a choice. Per- perspective is reflecting on who God is and all he has done. So now we, we get our perspective, and our perspective becomes right when we align it with who God is, not what we hope God does for us, and all he has done. Because it's who he is, and it's what he has done that is enough for us to be thankful for the rest of our life. Nothing more needs to take place. It's enough. The power comes as we start to confess it and share it with others. There is power in the testimony of what God has done. So as we get the posture to make that decision that I'm going to be thankful, we get the perspective and we begin to reflect on who God is and what he's done, and we remind ourselves of it, power comes when we share it with one another. Power comes when we share it with our neighbors, when we share it with our classmates, when we share it with our coworkers. All right, I want to start by saying I'm thankful for you. Say me? Yes, you. And here's why. Philippians chapter 1 says, uh, verse 3 through 11, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. I got to confess, that's not always true. But this was Paul. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and and that's not how I look at my role here is imprisonment, and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. This last year, we have all, in the last year and a half, and we've talked about it many times, we've all gone through a lot. And we've been tested. We've um, not, not physically, like, did you get COVID or not? Not that kind of testing. But testing in the way we think and our character and our motives and, and our outlook and, and, and the way we look at things. One thing I want to say thank you to you for is sharing what you have. In the early church in Acts chapter 4, 32 through 35, all the believers were united in heart and mind. God united us. Now, there, there's, there's a lot of differences, opinions, and they're higher than they've ever been. And there's a lot of disunity. But in the mix of that, God is bringing us together in a unity. 
that, yeah, there's these things that we see differently, but let's reflect on the things that we that brings us together, which is Jesus Christ. Let's, let's reflect on, on how that's taking place. So in, uh, united in heart and mind, and they felt what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. You guys have been an extremely generous church. And in a time of uncertainty, instead of, oh gosh, I gotta, you know, worry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hoard back, and I'm actually, I need to pull back, because who knows what's gonna happen. You prove that you walk by faith. You prove that you see what you have as God's. And if he put it on your heart to, to give in a certain way, that regardless of what was happening in life, you were going to continue on in that way. The City Harvest 300. And uh, in Judges chapter 7, Gideon, he has an army of around 32,000 people. And uh, he's, he's about to, to go into battle. He's trying, first he's trying to figure out, you know, is he supposed to go? And there's this whole thing with the fleece. But so then he has, he's, he's no, he's going in and he has 32,000 people. First, he, he just does a, he's supposed to whittle it down. And he, he makes an announcement. You know, any of you that are, are fearful, you're tired, feel free to go back. And, um, you know, if I ever made an announcement like that, I would be like, if I had, you know, 32, I think, oh, maybe there'll be a couple hundred or a couple thousand. No, 22,000 people ditched. Okay, so he's now almost down to a third. He's at 10,000 and thinking, okay, God, this wasn't what I, I thought you were gonna do. And then God says, well, let's go a little bit farther. 10,000 still seems a bit too much. It's not the size of the army I want you to have to actually truly defeat. Goes against everything that any of us think in our natural mind. So then he decided, you know what? Um, I want you to send everybody down to the water and have everybody get uh, uh, some water and depending on how they choose to drink the water, um, whether they're using their hand or they think they're a cat and they're just kind of going for it and lapping it with their tongue, um, and he brings it down to 300 people. Now, that can be scary, but there is something powerful that takes place when you know that who you have is who God wants you to have, and you know that God is with you in the midst of that. And there has been some whittling down. Now, there's a lot of people who aren't coming on Sundays because they're, they're still, you know, being cautious with their health and things like that. But I want to, again, say thank you. I look at you as the City Harvest 300. And I want to say thank you. Because I believe with all of my heart, with all of my heart, that there are some amazing things God wants to do in and through City Harvest this next year. I believe that there are seeds that have been planted over the years past, that have been watered over the years past, and there are things just beginning to sprout out of the ground. And I think God has allowed us, as we've gone through what we've gone through, to prepare us to be the 300 people that he wants to use, using that as an analogy, to be the people to, that he wants to use to do what he wants to do in City Harvest. We could look at it and say, man, it, it would just feel so much better if, if it looked like this and if the number was this and, you know, all these different things. God's not about do we feel 
do we like how it, it feels and looks? He wants to get it down to his purpose and his plan. In the book Tender Warrior, Stu Weber talks about staying power. And he makes a reference to um, special forces. And when they go through their training, the, the, the training is mainly designed to push them beyond their limits. Whether it be you're in the Coast Guard and you're going to be a rescue diver. And basically you are trained to go to the point to where you believe you're drowning. Um, you don't actually drown because that would be death. But you're, you're passing out so that you see how you can actually stay underwater way longer than you ever think you could. It pushes you beyond what you believe your limits are. And it, whether it be lack of sleep, lack of food, whatever it is, staying power. And I believe every single one of you, have we've all gone through something where we've been squeezed in some way, and it's produced a new level of staying power, of knowing I might not like every single thing. I might not agree with every single thing, but I know this is where God has placed me and I know there's a reason. And so until he tells me to go somewhere else, I am staying and I want to continue on with the vision of what God is saying and what he wants to do in and through me as a person and in and through this church. So I am full of faith. And for that, I want to say thank you to each one of you. All right, our posture. Now, we're going to read a lot of scripture here. And um, I'm a really good reader, so you're going to be entertained. What I, what I want to ask you to do, because there's a lot of great scripture when it comes to having a heart of thankfulness and thanks towards God. What I want to ask you to do is, I'm not putting it up there, because I don't want to, it, it's not about reading it. To me, it's about you just opening up the posture of your heart and listening to the words. And this is a time for you to begin to posture yourself in a heart of thanksgiving so that we can tap into what is it that we can be thankful for right now. Romans 1, 21 through 23. Yes, they knew God. Now, this is about posture. They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks as they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. The caution. We don't want to be like that. Instead of looking and praising God, we start coming up with the things that need to be right in front of us. And we kind of create our own idols. Luke chapter 17 as he entered the village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus's feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Let us be where when God does something in our lives, we don't take it for granted. Even if it was 30 years ago, we don't take it for granted. There's still power in it. We can still choose to be thankful for what he did. 
how he came through, how he was there when everyone else abandoned us. Luke chapter 18, verse 11 through 14, the Pharisee stood, this Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful on me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. When we're thankful and we're looking towards God, we take our mindset off of our own strength. Many times why we get so distracted by what's in front of us, it's because we want to have the strength to change our circumstances. We've allowed our mind to get so fixated on it that we think we're going to come up with the solution to change our problem. That somehow I can worry enough and, and, and fix it where my finances change. I can sit there and stress enough until my health change. That somehow I can keep knocking on the door until the relationship changes. The power is in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.4. This is for, um, these next two are for you this week at Thanksgiving. Ephesians 5.4, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So keep it clean at the table, okay? Stay positive. Ephesians 5.18-20, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Okay? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an awesome thing. John 6, 11, then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and then all ate as much as they wanted. I think we can all be challenged that, how many of you guys pray over a meal? I just want to say, if the meal is bad for you, blessing it doesn't make it healthy. Okay? So, if it's bad food, and if it's not what the doctor has told you you need to eat to change what's going on inside of your body, praying over it doesn't change that circumstance. Okay? We're actually praying, thanking God, not blessing the food, but we're, 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 we're thanking God for the blessing of the food. We're thanking God for the blessings in our life. We're posturing ourselves to look towards God. All right, perspective. I'm going to have to read some of the shorter ones because these are taking longer than I thought. Psalms 107, 8 through 9. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. How many of you have been hungry or thirsty and God brought you satisfaction? One of the things we got to do is we got to be able to walk to the stream. We got to come to the table to eat. Psalms 30, 4 through 5. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. 
Come on. There is joy in the morning. I remember as a kid, I used to always get frustrated and, and down. And um, that's a nice way of saying I would be losing my temper and flipping out. And, and my mom would always tell me like, dude, you just need to go to bed. And when you wake up in the morning, you're going to have a different perspective. Joy comes in the morning. Psalms 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let all Israel repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Let Aaron's descendants, the priests, repeat. Let all who fear the Lord repeat. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. 2 Corinthians 2.4, but thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. What an honor that not only does he come, but that then he wants us to be the ones to, to spread the gospel, to share. Again, that's that power as we spread it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, 16 through 18. Always be joyful. Let's say that one together. It's kind of important. Always be joyful. One more time, just so we really get it into our spirits. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Oh, let's do that one together. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will. Sorry, we all have different translations. So <laughs> you guys are doing great. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Come on, always be joyful. It's a decision. There are times when I don't want to be joyful because I don't like what's happening. But you know what? There's always joy to be found when I want to find it. And I always feel like a fool when I go, for me, it's I go on my prayer walk and I'm talking to God and all of a sudden he starts showing me things. And he starts shifting my perspective. And then I got to go eat humble pie. And I got to go back to tomorrow and I got to apologize. I got to go rally all my kids and sit them down and say, your dad's a fool. And, and I've never said it quite like that, but maybe I need to. There's joy. Never stop praying. You know, one of the reasons we don't stop praying, because it keeps us in communication with God, which helps us stay in the right mindset. These, they, they, they tie together. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is the will of God. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots go, uh, grow down in, um, sorry, start over. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Man, one of the lies is that when things aren't going right, go look for something better. 
stability, thankfulness, security comes when we're grounded. Now, I'm not saying stay somewhere when God is telling you to go, but don't go until God tells you to go because there's something to be learned. There's a security that takes place as, as, as we stay in it. And a new thankfulness and appreciation comes out of that. Worship team, you guys can come on up here. Psalm 69, 30 through 32. Then I will praise God's name with singing, and I will honor him with thanksgiving. For this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. The humble will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. Will you guys stand to your feet? This is important to know that what God is looking for is a heart that is fixated on him. He is not looking for us to just bring our talents that he gave us, to just bring our resources that he gave us, to, to, to just bring things that we've accumulated which are the blessings of God anyways. Those things are already his. Yeah, he wants us to acknowledge that they're, that they're his and to bring them. That is part of it. But what he's looking for is the heart. He wants us to be focused on him. But not bringing it to him in this, this we're, we're not buying him. We don't sing to, to earn something. We sing because every single one of us has been invited to the table. Jesus told a parable of, of a ruler that, that was going to throw a big party. He had guests. He sent out all these invitations. It's God sending out the invitation to every single one of us to come to his table. The guests didn't come. Sent them out again. Sent out some more people to go tell them. They still didn't come. So then he kind of went off of that guest list and he threw it out to the public, and he brought in people that maybe thought they weren't worthy to sit at the table. Jesus throws out an invitation to every single one of us to come sit at his table. I want, as, as we go into these songs, I want you to think, man, let's forget about even the car we drive, the house we live in, how big our paycheck is, the relationships we have. Let's focus on the relationship we have with Jesus. And to think that this right here is your chair. You've been invited to the table with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to come and eat, to dwell, to partake, to live, to commune. So as we go into these songs, let's set that posture. Let's get that perspective. And then we're going to get into here in a little bit. We're actually going to get into little circles. And we're going to have a chance to exercise that power by confessing what God has done. Last scripture I want to read over you. Number 6, 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace.